0: This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's Two Thousand Inch Weird Al Podcast, Episode Two Hundred Two Inch. On this episode, we
1: interview the Emmy-nominated editor of Weird the Al Yankovic Story, Jamie Kennedy. It's Dave and Ethan's Two Thousand Inch Weird Al Podcast.
2: It's
0: a podcast about Weird
2: Al. It's
0: Dave and Ethan's Two Thousand Inch Weird Al Podcast.
1: Seriously, the whole podcast is about it's Weird Al. And
0: Ethan's
2: don't
0: have to listen but we're glad you are well hello ethan welcome back from your two week long business trip hey dave well thank you oh it was
1: quite a journey from los angeles all the way up to seattle but i got to see and meet a ton of our friends and past guests so it was pretty nice
0: Well, hopefully you didn't run into Lieutenant Dan as you were passing through Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. I told you never to speak his name again! I'll take that as a no. Well, thanks to everyone for tuning in to the last episode where we spoke with comedy writer Rob Kuttner. We wanted to
1: remind everyone
0: that if you buy a copy of his new book,
1: Snot Goblins, Rob will send you the digital files to Runaway Brains, his scripted audio series where Al voices IBM's Watson, which you
0: cannot get anywhere. To take advantage of this offer for listeners of our podcast only... Email internfrank at frank at 2000inch.com and let him know that you purchased the book.
1: And since Weird Al's reviews on the back cover, copies of this book belong in every Weird Al collection, as well as on the bookshelves of all of the weird kids in your life. Well, Ethan, it looks like we've got a
0: lot to get to, so let's check out what's happening in Weird Al-related news. The 2023
1: New Yorker Festival is coming this October to various New York City venues, and one particular event caught
0: our attention. Weird Al is set to talk with New York Times. Best-selling author Andy Borowitz at Webster Hall on Saturday, October 7th. General admission tickets
1: sold out quickly. However, as of this recording, a few early entry tickets
0: are still available. So if you're interested, you better act quickly. Head on over to festival.newyorker.com for tickets and other details. Dave and I plan to be there. We've already got our tickets. So if you're going to be there, let us know so we can say hi. Weird Al appears in a new PSA for the Aneurysm and AVM Foundation, which just aired for the first time at a San Francisco Giants game. According to their
1: website, TAAF is dedicated to bettering the lives, support networks, and medical care of those affected by aneurysms and other types of vascular malformation
0: of the brain. TAAF has announced a virtual music telethon called brain body and soul fest which will take place on october 7th featuring brain injury survivors celebrities caregivers and friends to spread the awareness for and about aneurysms and avms head to brain
1: and to join their mailing list so you can get information about
0: this event as details are announced Weird Al joined past guests of the podcast, Portugal the Man, as a surprise guest on stage during their show at the Hollywood Bowl this past Sunday night.
1: Weird Al sang on their incredible song, Who's Gonna Stop Me?,
0: reprising his role from the studio recording of the song. Now, a few videos of this performance have popped up on social media, and by all accounts, the appearance with PTM was PSM, and that is pretty stinking majestic. Now, with all these Emmy nominations,
1: Weird Al has been popping up all over the place in a few different magazines and
0: newspapers. Devlin Wilder alerted us to the digital version of a LA Times article about the middle-aged dad jam band that features... Weird Al, and Joe Jaffa alerted us to the physical version of that article, which just came out last weekend.
1: The LA Times Magazine, The Envelope from August 3rd, features an article about Weird Al, and the May issue of Emmy Magazine, also features an article about Weird Al.
0: Keep your eyes peeled, as many periodicals recently have been featuring ads for Weird the Al Yankovic Story, including the July 14th issue of Hollywood Reporter, which congratulates the film for its eight Emmy nominations. Past guest of the podcast, Kevin McKee, let
1: us know that Weird Al was the answer to Nine Down in the July 24th Wall Street Journal crossword puzzle. The clue was, his eat it is a parody of Michael Jackson's beat it. Hmm, I guess the folks over at the Wall Street Journal never saw Weird the Al Yankovic Story.
0: Well, if you know of any other appearances in physical media, such as newspapers and magazines, please let us know. We are very sad to report that
1: Paul Rubens, the actor best known for portraying Pee Wee Herman, passed away at the age of
0: 70 after a private bout of cancer. Both Ethan and I had the honor to see Paul at Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas live-to-film concert experience back in October 2021.
1: At the show, Paul reprised his role of Locke from the film and performed Kidnap the Sandy Claws with both Danny Elfman and Weird Al on
0: both of those nights. Now, while Weird Al and Paul were friends, there are not too many other instances of collaboration over the years, which is a bummer. Most recently, Paul's character
1: Pee-wee Herman was portrayed in Weird the Al Yankovic Story by Jorma Tacone.
0: Weird Al and Pee-wee are two of the subjects of a viral photograph that features them attending a celebrity rock and roll benefit with Steve Van Zandt back in 1984. The
1: line Mecca lecca high, mecca hiney ho in Pretty Fly for a Rabbi is a direct
0: reference to Jombie from Pee-wee's Playhouse. And interestingly, the sets for both Pee-wee's Playhouse and The Weird Al Show were designed by Wayne White. From all of us here
1: at Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, Gill and Chill in Peace, Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee-wee Herman, the world of comedy has lost another great.
0: And unfortunately, there's even more sad news to share. John Gosling, a former keyboardist for the Kings, has passed away. John Gosling performed on the song Lola, which of course is the basis for Weird Al's parody, Yoda. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, Gil and Chill in Peace, John Gosling. And now let's turn that frown
1: upside down with the unveiling of the brand new Burrito Burrito
0: ad. Oh, do us that honor, Ethan.
1: This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant Burrito Burrito, home of the two-pound double-wrapped-in-a-quesadilla Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger for mouth-watering loaded, dare I say, vegan burgers from Albany to Uranus. Burrito, burrito, and Wizard Burger feed the hunger with out-of-this-world plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burrito.square.com and
0: wizardburger.com to order ahead. Wow, intern Frank really went all out rewriting that ad, huh? All right, now it's time for what's happening in Suzanne Yankovic-related news. Weird Al was in the news by way of his wife, Suzanne, last month. On her Instagram account, Suzanne posted a video of a precarious, crumbling portion of rock bluff above the Pacific Coast Highway.
1: The video spread and
0: was eventually seen
1: by city officials, who quickly took action, bringing in a crane to remove
0: the dangerous portion of rock. In the media hustle to report on the story, friend of the podcast and past guest Sean James was even interviewed on the TV news about the situation.
1: Some people like to study rocks. Whatever.
0: And now let's check out what's happening in John Bermuda Schwartz related news. Friday, August 18th
1: is a very special day because it's the birthday of Weird Al's longtime drummer and friend of
0: ours and the podcast, the great John Bermuda Schwartz. From all of us here at David Ethan's 2008 Weird Al Podcast, happy birthday, Bermuda. What a guy.
1: And how's this for a coincidence? August 18th is also...
0: Hawaiian shirt day. So make sure this August 18th that you put on your best Hawaiian shirt to celebrate Bermuda's big day. On behalf of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast,
1: we'd like to share the following message in advance of our interview with Weird the Al Yankovic Story editor Jamie Kennedy amid the current Hollywood strikes.
0: We have not been contacted by Roku or anyone requesting promotion of the film Weird the Al Yankovic Story of any kind. We want to state that while we are discussing the film, Weird the Al Yankovic Story, we are in no way promoting the film nor showing support for film studios that do not support the writers and actors currently on strike.
1: The intention of this
0: podcast is to create an
1: entertaining archive of information about Weird Al and his career, life, and supporters for both entertainment and informational purposes. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast supports the WGA and SAG and all creatives in the film industry and beyond. With that said, Ethan, take it away! Dave and I are absolutely thrilled to welcome the editor of Weird the Al Yankovic Story, who was just nominated for an Emmy Award. Please welcome to the podcast, Jamie Kennedy. How's it going, Jamie?
2: Woo, good. I can't believe I'm talking with members of Biker Bar, David Ethan, (laughs) from Weird the Al Yankovic Story.
1: Yeah. By the way, where's our Emmy nomination? We did just as much as you did.
2: Hey, we yeah we, we need to make we need to make a bigger push. Just like for stunts and for casting, we got to make a bigger push for best background acting in TV at the
0: Emmys. Let's do it. Absolutely right. In a very specific genre, of course. Right. Yes. <laughs>
1: We're thrilled to have you on. We've met you a few times in person. We obviously are big fans of your work. So just thank you again for, for coming on and, and congratulations on the Emmy nomination. You were nominated in Outstanding Picture Editing for a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie for the 2023 Emmy Awards. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's, it's bizarro world. <laughs> I, I can I, I have to pinch myself every day. I can kind of hardly believe it i felt very little fish big pond because you know there was the the ace awards was crazy enough but that was just tv movie uh non-theatrical non-theatrical feature film and but for the emmys you add in the limited series and i'm like oh boy Uh, (laughs) that's that's a lot of competition (laughs) from a lot of talented people
1: and Eight Emmy nominations for the film is just, I mean, absolutely deserved, oh. but I don't know if I ever believed that, you know, the people would recognize the movie and love it the way that we
2: did. <laughs> I, 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 we definitely weren't sitting around when we were putting it together, being like, and this is our Emmy moment. <laughs> that guy getting eaten by the shredder in the factory. Mm, this is our time. <laughs>
1: Well, I think we already alluded to it a little bit, but I think before we talk about the most important scene of the film in excruciating detail, we should probably cover some of the less important scenes and maybe the process. And I guess going all the way back, were you already a fan of Weird Al before you got involved in working on the film?
2: Oh yes, very much so. Um, I, uh, my fandom for Weird Al goes way back, probably to around like elementary school. Oh uh, wow! My, my, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my first two, my first, the first two albums that I was in the collective consciousness for was um, uh, Poodle Hat and Running with Scissors. Those were my. <laughs> Those were my first two. Love I feel it. like it, it's hard to say like where I started, um, but like as any millennial, I feel like the saga begins was probably the like the first taste is free moment <laughs> of Weird Al fandom. Uh-huh. Um, and since then, uh, you know, I've I've followed his career ever since. Got, went back into the 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 arc. You know, watched UHF in college. Um, my partner and I, we we've gone to every concert that he's had out here in Los Angeles since we've lived out. Out here oh, like nice. you know the, the no the no strings oh, tour cool. the vanity tour that just happened um <laughs> like we are just like we've always been huge weird al fans so i uh, truly this was a dream come true i have nothing left to achieve in life <laughs> 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 this is the pinnacle <laughs> how did you get
1: involved in the film was it through a relationship with eric Capel?
2: yes I, so i met eric um he got brought on to uh, uh, write and direct uh, Die Hard for Quibi, Once Upon a Time. Um, I had just come off of a different Quibi show, uh, and the same post-producer was working on uh, Die Hard. And, like, literally one day she just called me up and was like, Hey, I'm starting a new show. It starts Monday. You're starting with me. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> great. Yeah. And she's like, I guess I should probably introduce you to the director. And I'm like, probably. That would be important. <laughs> so, like, So uh, I, I Derek and I chatted on the phone. Uh, he agreed with the hiring, which I am grateful for. Um, and it was about halfway through doing Die Hard that I learned about uh, that he was the one responsible for the original Funny or Die sketch mm. uh, with, with Aaron Paul. Um, and like I, I've been saying, I have to get a lot better at IMD being the people I work with like earlier in the process (laughs) because it like came out while we were chatting uh and i was like oh my god how did i not know this about you that's one of my favorite youtube videos of all time Uh, (laughs) it's brilliant um and and he was like well you know al and i have been trying to make it a feature for forever and i was like please 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 call me if that happens (laughs) um and he did and i owe him everything for that
1: that's incredible wow oh wow that's great yeah
2: <laughs> definitely a, a shoot your shot moment but right like <laughs> it worked out um and since roku uh um a colin colin um who was our like point person at roku for the project he came from quibi so actually he i had known him from my Die diehard days so thanks i think roku was was really great in trusting you know eric's decision in uh uh, hiring me and bringing me on because any bigger studio might have questioned uh, <laughs> the fact that yeah. i had a solo edited a feature before right, um right. but uh they were they were wonderful to trust uh who he was bringing on for his team uh, and i'm appreciative of that um and that's where how we got here
1: and obviously you know I, I think it goes without saying but anyone that Dave and i have met or dealt with from either Al's touring team or the film team everyone's always like pretty stinking majestic and awesome so it seems like it was a real dream team getting together to work
0: on it
2: it really was like i mean outside of this being the best movie i could have ever possibly worked on um just (laughs) the people were so wonderful too like like everyone was so nice and so working hard for the same creative like goals there was no drama no toxicity every like you you couldn't ask for a better crew to work with
0: that's so great to hear and we do hear that quite often about everybody who who works around Weird Al Yankovic and uh and even I mean around Eric too he he's an incredibly nice guy he always goes out of the way to uh to make us feel special as well. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of curious if you could sort of walk through when does the editor actually get involved in the film process is that early on like day 1 or are you not really involved until you actually start getting dailies
2: Um mostly uh, my my hyper involvement comes in when the dailies start coming in so I am I am hired on you know I at least, hard. It's hard to say. Did did in a different. It's on a project to project basis for this one in particular. Okay. Um, Eric had called me about it in like November. Uh, before they started. Um, and so he like that. That was the like unofficial. I want you to work on this movie. But it wasn't like deal memo and everything wasn't until like probably a couple of weeks before they started shooting. Um, That's when we started getting the put when the post team, altogether starts getting hired so when they got the, the once they got the post producer uh then they could officially bring me on I could officially bring my AE on Peter Dudgeon who was also an additional editor on the film um you know there's co- sometimes conversation um with between the editors and vendors. sometimes editors can have some say in like the vendors who are hired for a project in this one in particular it was kind of uh the vendors that they got that they had or the vendors that they had so that i wasn't really part of that process Um, my my major contributions came in basically the first day they started shooting
1: and so were you on set for any of the filming
2: not on set i i wanted to like there were so many days that we really wanted to like go out and visit especially when they were like out near pasadena uh but we were just so slammed with all the dailies that it just didn't work out plus with like uh you know um uh, COVID compliancy oh, it's yeah. a lot hard it was a it was a lot harder to just kind of like drop in on a set than- <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- th- so uh, I unfortunately was just working out of my bedroom um, uh, for those period of t- that period of time but uh, I really I wish I could have gotten to set because it looked like it was a lot of fun
1: <laughs> it was so cool
0: <laughs> Now now to go back Did you start editing Like as soon as you get the stuff For example Are you editing day one dailies on day two Is that how, how this process works
2: That is exactly how it works Yes wow. So it was an 18 day shoot they you know they shoot they shoot day 1 the dailies get sent off to our um dailies house that that evening where they sync the picture they make all of the avid media files for me and it's basically it sent and delivered into my avid by the next morning um wow and so yeah the the goal is always you know it's a lofty goal but you're always trying to kind of stay with picture as much as possible. So everything that was shot the day before, you're trying to edit the day after, uh, and it's just staggered, staggered, staggered until the end of the shoot, 18 days. Uh, after that, I had 10 days to finish my editor's cut. So that means uh, editing any scenes that were stragglers from behind, uh, and then but then also putting everything together. Peter does the sound design, we do temp music, We look at everything. We we watch the whole movie down, see how it's feeling, where it needs to be polished up before it goes off to Eric. And I have those 10 days to do it before it. That's what's called my editor's cut and is shipped off from there. So,
1: what does the editing process look look like? Are you just watching every take of a scene and then just picking the best scene and then you know moving forward to the next one, or how does that actually look?
2: Yeah, yeah. See, see, I go on a scene by scene basis. In Avid, the way I like working is we have this tool called like Script Sync, uh, which is you bring in all of the footage and you line it up with the script for that particular scene, uh, and you put marks for every line read on every take so it's a very helpful process for when you have like a director in the room and they can be like hey can we see every reading of that line and then you can literally just like click play click play click play oh wow line. okay so that's that's helpful for later on down the line but while that process is happening yes I watch every take all the way through um, I'm taking notes uh, as I'm watching it I um if there's something that stands out to me as, like, a particularly good performance, uh, I-, I will, like, put an in-and-out point and just throw it in a timeline. I'm not, I'm not actively assembling the scene at that point. I'm just watching all the dailies, And then once I've, like, watched it all, seen what I've kind of pulled in terms of selects, that's when I start assembling the scene. So then I'll start going line by line and kind of comparing performance, comparing, you know, what the overall tone of the scene is and which performances play into that the best. Um, You know, you're working on the shot composition because like there might be a really good performance, but it's in like the mega wide and that's really only good for like an establishing shot. We want <laughs> you want to be closer mm. on people and so so like there's also kind of a rhythm to slowly building into the coverage of a scene. Start with mediums, you move in a little closer as you keep going. These are the things that you're kind of juggling as you're watching the scene uh and putting it all together. Uh so I cut all that together one scene. Usually I'll watch it down a couple of times and see if there's a little tweaks, but then I'll usually also like put it to the side and be like, I will look at you after I after a while and come back to you and see how I feel with fresh eyes. Mm, and during that period, okay. that's when the AE, uh, in this case, Peter, is doing sound work for it. So putting in background so, uh, sounds, specific sound design for, uh, you know, like if there's footsteps, if there's impacts or things like that, uh, he's working on fleshing it out so that it will play, when we watch it back later, it'll play back kind of as close to how it would screen as possible.
0: And give us an idea how much footage are you getting daily?
2: That is a great question that I've should have looked up at some point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it was usually about like five hours of dailies a day. Um, wow. yeah. Uh, but like you, uh, on top, you know, if they're running two cameras, um, that, ad, that, that's part of that. So, like, sometimes a take has two cameras, but you sync them together and you can watch them down at the same time. So you're watching the two oh, different okay. camera yeah. angles because they're grouped together. Um, okay. but, yeah, it was, it was, the, it, I think it was, like, between, like, three and five hours a day, um, one of these days I'll be better at knowing that <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of just get in the flow and it gets done I, <laughs> I would be terrible on the prices right
0: <laughs> so you were getting footage from the day before and editing it you know sort of the next day now meanwhile Eric is still on set you know directing for the next day so how involved was Eric and when did he get to finally see the edits that you made
2: yeah for the most part he didn't like there wouldn't have been time for me to be like turning around scenes to him like if I were sending every scene that I assembled on a day-to-day basis to him and then like he would send back notes we would have never gotten the movie done so for the most part there was kind of just trust where I was putting these scenes together during the process of the dailies um but there were a couple of like red flag moments that he that he put his hand up. And one of them, actually, we can talk about it, is the, is the Rocky Road scene because that was the first musical, big musical number um, that they had shot. And so he, he texted me that day that they they wrapped and he was like, hey, um, if you could like put a priority on getting this scene done as soon as possible, I just want to make sure we weren't missing anything and how it plays. Hmm. And so that was, that was kind of like, there were a couple scenes like that. You know, there was that, there was the pool party, there was the action scene. Scenes that were a lot more intricate in terms of like, people or location or things just to make sure we didn't miss anything those were the things i prioritized Uh to make sure that i sent back to him Uh, and the funny thing with the rocky road scene is i cut it all together i felt really good about it (laughs) i was like yeah this is this is playing great this is playing great and eric pointed out when he got it he's like I don't have a close up of Dan singing the song. Um and he was absolutely right like without that you kind of have this removed feeling from the whole thing it, the, the whole scene felt played like it was it, it just felt too far away. Mm-hmm. And we weren't seeing Dan go through the changes in that scene with a close up. Um, and so that begged the question well, how are we going to get a close up? Because we were on a very limited timetable. We were <laughs> right. in locations right. we couldn't right. go back to with like groups of people we could not get again, probably. Um, we
0: would have come so- <laughs> back. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would have we flown back out. We'd yeah. Definitely we we could have
2: put you just in the front row, like just your two heads, and then like put. <laughs> <laughs> um but because so that you know this is a testament to how great a director eric is is you know he saw a problem and he solved it uh during the last couple of days of shooting they were shooting at the yankovic house which is when they were shooting all of the the yun al things uh scenes mm-hmm. and uh toward the end of the day they <laughs> put up a curtain that looked kind of like the background of uh the the the, the cobra pit mm-hmm. uh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and Shot a close-up of Dan just in the living room of this house singing "Rocky Road," <laughs> and then they did the same thing for um, "Amish Paradise" as well, and it works like, wow. like because it's close, because the wow. background's a little blurred out, because we're so close, you, they cut seamlessly together, um, <laughs> and you, you're not you're not able to tell that they were they, those were shot in two different locations on two different days, um, and it made all the difference because once those close-ups were in, it was like suddenly the emotion of the scene worked
1: wow that's incredible now i need to like watch see like frame by frame (laughs) see if i can tell that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) was there anything else that had to be reshot aside from those close-ups of dan
2: it was just those close-ups we did have uh what was one there we we had wanted one close up that we ultimately didn't end up getting. So I had done a different kind of mock up in the in the poker party scene mm-hmm. um, where there was a uh. moment where uh, oh, and Rocky Road. So, th- so I was juxtaposing in one of my first cuts of Rocky Road, I was juxtaposing Al being on stage at the Cobra Pit and. Um, with hit the polka party scene because I had noticed that the young actor who was playing Teenage Al did this thing where he like closed his eyes and breathed in right before he started playing, uh, the, playing on the accordion mm-hmm. and then dan coincidentally did the same thing so i like tried cutting this thing where you know it flashes back to the polka party in silence and they're both breathing in and then uh it kind of worked mm. <laughs> but we, we were talking about what it really needs is like a close-up on the accordion of dan playing and we didn't have that and so there was like talks of maybe we could like get a camera for a day and get that pickup but like you know, as the process goes on, those are like wish list items that you have early on. And then you start to love the movie for how it is. And you're like, you're like, like why put it in? Why are we putting in this much effort for something that like mattered to us on one day? But as we've gone (laughs) on, like the movie doesn't need it. Like we, we like, we didn't need the flashback. It was just as powerful to just stay with Dan in that moment. Um, and so that was like the one last thing. But otherwise yeah, no other uh, reshoots or pickups.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's incredible for what a tight shoot it was.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I and that's what we were having kind of constant communication about Eric and I was just like making sure he, he was like if you think we're missing anything. He's like if you if you see if if we need like transitions between scenes, let me know. And ultimately, he got everything we needed. Wow.
1: That is so cool. <laughs> were there any lines that were particularly difficult for for any of the actors where you, you saw like 50 takes of the same line or anything like that?
2: Um, I don't think anything... Difficult for people. I'm trying to think back. Everyone was really on their game. I think because it was such because it was such a short turnaround and like there was no room for errors. Like people were on the script and they were great. Like there weren't a lot of like bloopers or flubs in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, and this is not. Um, this is this is a compliment to toby huss because of how many options he gave which made it great um the hardest scene the, the the scene that eric and i retooled the most over the course of things was uh toby's monologue in the beginning of the the movie when he's talking about uh the guy who died at the factory that day <laughs> because <laughs> uh-huh. it was it, it's crazy in a movie with like four musical numbers and an action scene uh, like all these crazy things the thing that we like, nitpicked the most was this monologue because it was, you know, it was so funny and every take Toby did was great, uh, but... It, it played too long in its original form. It was way too long of a monologue and it was like killing the rhythm of the scene. So we kept, we cut basically like 20 different versions of the scene with it like a little shorter with like someone cutting him off oh, with wow. uh, uh this take compared to this oh, take wow. because he says this take a little bit quicker. Uh, and like, let's try this take where he like puts a new inflection on this. Like literally every which way that you could cut that monologue we did until finally we're like, I think, I think we did it. I think that was it. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) but definitely felt like my Vietnam at times I'm like no not again I
0: can't
1: so what are some other scenes that were you know I guess like that a difficult one to edit whether based on the footage you had or based on just the you know what you were trying to convey with it
2: um I think you know Everything else was for me so fun. <laughs> like like the the action so the diner fight scene had its own challenges which is just like they only had the time to do like a couple of takes of each stunt. Like maybe maybe two, usually one. So like oh, wow. what we had was kind of what we had and we had to make oh. it work. So like that was a challenge just like we had it and it ex- and it it works as you can see. Uh but like with the limited resources we had for that scene making it work was uh fair like walking a fine line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks great. It does. Um he, the other one and I uh, I'm going to shout out uh Peter Dudgeon again who's an additional editor on the movie. Um he was responsible. So, he had a couple of scenes in this movie that were like his baby. He did uh, I I I had him take all of the Pablo Escobar stuff. Okay. Um <laughs> that was hit like from start to finish he cut he cut the dailies for that scene and anytime we like got to that scene in the edit bay (laughs) I would swap out with him and Eric would work with him on that one uh and then he also did um the 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 dinner dining room table scene with uh uh mom is fat (laughs) uh and and that was another one you know there was a lot of discussion about that you know you know how 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 subtly we could play that joke so people would get it so that we're not laughing at mom because she's fat (laughs) like like the joke has to like we were like the joke has to be be the reference like that people like it's the song it's not because we're making fun of her um and so there was a lot of tweaking to that as well to like Try and sell the joke as much as possible without, because like it was like double the length. We had, we did have the ham on whole wheat joke in there ever so briefly.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I noticed that there was ham on whole wheat. On the table.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a moment when, when, when dad, w- when Toby was, was like, this, this sandwiches are great. What is this? Ham on, ham on, ham on whole wheat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so like, you know, funny things, but like the point of that scene, like that was a joke in a scene where the bigger part of it was the connection between Al and his dad, fi- like finally having this relationship with his dad. And anytime we kind right. of got bogged down in that one joke set piece, it was taking away from what the actual purpose of the scene was so there was a lot of tweaking there to like punch it up so that we could get the humor but also move along to like what the actual point of the scene was
1: how involved was al in the editing process was he watching any of the cuts or or giving notes
2: Yes he was so unfortunately he never got to go be in the editing bay with us, but that was because the day we turned around Eric's director's cut was the day he started his tour. Oh my so, gosh, oh my gosh. So he was out uh, he was out on tour but he uh, he watched every cut multiple times uh, and gave notes. we would have zooms. Um, he was very, very involved in uh, at, as part uh, you know as producer, as co-writer um he he was involved with making sure that every cut we we had his stamp on it as well
1: that's awesome were there any scenes that started off one way and just completely once the editing process and and in the final product are just completely different
2: really um there were just trims like there were things that we cut out for time um there were a couple scenes where we made some like bigger lifts within things um Oh, I do have an answer for this. I do have an answer for this. The Oprah scene. Okay, that I, I will. I will backtrack and say the 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 Oprah sequence. Um, as scripted, that was it was a lot more static. Um, you know, it was because you know it was being modeled after like what an Oprah show in the eighties would look like, and it was a lot more. you know, it wasn't dynamic. This was the days before TMZ and Entertainment Tonight and right, those things. Right. So it's like. Interview, interview, interview. A graphic on screen. So there were like a handful of things that were just kind of playing, playing, playing. But again, as scripted, when you play that, when you put them all out, it it just kind of like drives the movie to a screeching halt because you're just like (laughs) going through these, and it's supposed to serve more as a transitional element because the point of that sequence is to show Al's rapid rise to fame. But it didn't feel very rapid because we were going through things. So there was like a little. Interview with the Scotty brothers that was peppered in there. There were like there were a oh, couple other yeah a couple of huh. things um but it became you know we had to pace it up so we took some artistic liberties and turned it a little more into more of the 90s style of um <laughs> entertainment interviewing <laughs> and you know added the, mu- the 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 peppy music underneath you know cut between things cut out a lot of the the interviews and just kind of cut between them uh, and put more b-roll in things to uh you know make it more of a driving force rather than what it was
0: cool is there anything that you ended up cutting out that you wish had made it into the final cut of the film?
2: You know, it's so funny because there were like little jokes here and there and like there would be days where we would cut something and I would like leave a little sad that we cut it because I'd be like, no, like this is, <laughs> it, this is my favorite joke in the movie <laughs> and I'm so sad it's gone. And now you ask me and I'm like, what were they? So... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um no there what the the one kind of big the movie did not need this but it does serve as a fun deleted scene that hopefully can be out there in the world someday there was uh, a little interlude when Al calls his mom uh, right before the LSD sequence where you also saw um, his dad at the dining room table and it's a it's a fun little miming scene uh, where he doesn't want to talk to Al and that was a fun (laughs) one but it was (laughs) yeah as we were like sitting around (laughs) and being like we need to cut some minutes out of this movie it was, like, literally the cleanest lift we could possibly do. Mm. So we were like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny what you get attached to. And yeah. then what you kind of forget because you make the best version of the movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Now, I've, I've heard Eric mention a few things, including the scene where Al's going to mail out his demo tape. In one version yeah. of the scene, he knocks over an old woman and her legs are flailing yes. in the background. Are there other examples of things like that that were just sort of edited around?
2: That was the big one, and yeah. that was you know that was a note from Roku or Funny or Die where they were like, okay, so we're supposed to like Al, <laughs> and this is like approximately less than ten minutes into the movie, and he's like pushing an old baby out of the way, so and we're like. We understand the note that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so that was one that was an easy lift for us to do. Um, it was a lot of um little trims here and there. I don't I think that was the most like v worthy where we were like screening out someone to not be there. Um, but everything uh-huh. else was like little trims, you know, like the original cut, the editor's cut of the of the film, the first. At, like before we saw Al, it was like 15 or 18 minutes where it was, you know, that's all the like, you know, the young Al, the teen Al, that whole section was really long. Hmm. Um, and it was all good stuff. But, you know, we, we had a firm belief that we're like, you know, people are going to ask, where's Dan? We need to be able to see Dan. Right, right. <laughs> um,
0: uh-huh.
2: And so our, our whole... Mantra with that first 15 minutes was just cutting out whatever we could that wasn't necessary, that wasn't serving the plot, so Mm -hmm. we could get through those sections as quickly as possible to get to kind of the crux of the movie. So it's little things you would never notice, but when you compare the editor's cut, which is everything as scripted to what we have now, it makes a world of a difference. Yeah.
1: I was also wondering about in the teaser trailer, there's a scene um, (laughs) where Alice's anyone got an accordion and three accordions are handed to him. Why was that part not used?
2: Yes, divisive. Uh, it it was it was all about tone. So this was this was the biggest debate I think in the editing bay um, because there were two different ways that was shot. One was uh, does someone anyone have an accordion and three accordions pop into frame, uh, and then one was get, bring me my accordion. Um and Al really wanted the three accordions popping into frame because it's a funny joke <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it is like it's undeniably yeah. a funny joke but Eric was making the the case that you know the humor of this movie and what we were going for tone wise was always to keep things grounded in reality where if we played things as close to serious as possible and like really honored the biopic format the humor was going to come in like kind of how straight everything was played mm-hmm. so as we were going through the movie and like looking at jokes it was like the big question we were always asking was like yes this is funny but is this grounded enough or is this too zany is that is this outside the world of the film we're trying to show and that was the debate with the accordions because you know if (laughs) it it is such a funny image uh but like when you look at it in the world of the movie you're like okay so there are there's a guy on the ground with an accordion and there's two people (laughs) off frame with accordions and you're like it kind of breaks the world that we've like worked so hard to set up. So it was a big debate back and forth. And the compromise basically wound up being keeping the accordions in the teaser trailer. So they exist. And so people know it exists and it's a funny joke, but in the movie uh, we keep it grounded.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Well, Ethan and I were on set. We know we shot another extra take or an extra scene, I guess, where uh, one of the bikers came in at the end of the Rocky road (laughs) And said, you know, hey, there's an ice cream truck oh, outside. Yeah. And then all of us ran outside. Can you speak a little bit about all these uh... things
2: I keep forgetting? <laughs> 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 again, yeah. About that? Yeah. No, yeah. That, again, that was another one of those uh, uh, kind of the same thing as the accordion uh, joke. Um, Dot Marie Jones uh, was uh, the biker mama uh, who you saw earlier, saying like, "Well, you better go get some, <laughs> get some ice cream," yeah. um, and that that was you know a little tag at the end of the scene as scripted was her running in and saying, "There's an ice cream truck out back," and that's where you know how the whole uh, <laughs> the whole biker bar. But uh, just like the accordions thing, it's like it's funny and it works, but we're also trying to like drive the plot along at that point. And in it, like every second is valuable in the overall runtime and like pacing of the movie. And it just became, you know, rather than stopping down for a funny joke, uh, it was more powerful to go from that look on Dan's face having, you know, succeeded at the open mic night like, right to backstage when Dr. Demento is coming in mm-hmm. to, uh, to meet him. You know, it's just right. it's kind of all about that forward momentum. I'm hoping one day these little deleted scenes can make their way into the world. <laughs>
1: well, I hope so, too. And, and uh, now that we are on the most important scene in the film, uh, yeah. I do have a lot of questions. But the first one, I remember a couple things that, that really stuck out to my day on set with Dave. One of them was, I don't know if this made it on film but I got hit in the head with like a foam brick. Did that make it into the... Did you see that?
2: (laughs) It was probably in a wide, but I'd have to go back and double check it. So was that during the skunk barf moment?
1: Yeah, it was uh, throwing stuff at the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, that's super... That shot is so much fun and there were so many different takes of it. Um, And it's one of those things where you can't linger on it too long because you do see the little foam bricks like just bouncing off. (laughs) So it looks like you were that person that i noticed <laughs>
1: there were a couple versions of the throwing stuff and one of them i had a pair of tidy whities and i threw it and it landed like on a like right, directly on a boom mic did that did you <laughs> see that at all
2: i don't know if i saw that oh that's amazing <laughs> now the other thing we noticed in that one is we have there's a character in the movie who uh Really finds his way to a bunch of different places because the guy who is out uh, in, in the establishing shot of the Cobra Pit um there is a guy beating up someone so as you're like pu- like zooming in slowly on the open mic night there's a guy who's beating up someone that's the same guy who gets on the stage uh after skunk barf makes everyone boo right. um so he-, he got from the outside to the inside right. really fast and he's also one of the like cooks at the diner he's the one who gets his uh <laughs> gets his head griddled <laughs> on the on the panini press uh so he he secret in universe of a weird al yankovic this poor guy is having like a real rough <laughs> run of hit.
1: yeah that so that was uh thomas forbes johnson and we know that because he was standing right behind us and so we were chatting with him uh between takes and uh he was really, he was really awesome. We really enjoyed that. That's uh, awesome. Working with you him. should
2: get him on the podcast. Yeah. I would love to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I feel like he oh, does he yeah. work in stunts. Um,
1: stunts and acting. He was actually in the lost city with Daniel.
2: No way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's how they, they met, they met on the set of the lost city. And, and I guess Daniel had somehow uh, brought him in when they knew they needed stunts for weird, the Al Yankovic story. That's what he was telling us on the set. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, it
1: was cool. And I, I, I do wish there was more of that scene. I understand not wanting to show him too much, but I loved watching uh, them like get the crap beaten out of them and Jonah oh, it's hiding great. behind I'd the... Like, yeah, I was just going right. to say, Jonah hiding behind the, the symbol. Yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone killed it.
1: So, if there was a, you know, the, what do they say, the Yankovic cut or the Yankovic edit, do you think that we'd get to see some of those things that we're talking about today?
2: Great question. I like, I feel like there's, I I haven't been in any discussions about those kind of things, but, you know, I feel like there's different ways you could do it. You could either, you know, just release the fuller scenes. Again, not that there were any like big scenes, but you could do like extended version of scenes where we cut out bigger parts like that scene at the dinner table yeah um uh you know you could do the the paul feig uh like bridesmaids thing and just like basically release an alternative cut of the movie that like includes all of the fat and all the weird stuff like replace the replace the accordion joke like you call mm-hmm. it the weird joke the, the weird cut <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um I, I don't know in what form or if that will ever happen um but it'd be really cool. <laughs> I
1: would love to see it. <laughs> that would be so cool.
2: I know, yeah. How, how was it, like, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm sure you just wish you could, like, see all of the dailies from that day because that must have been a wild oh, day on yeah. set.
1: Well, I mean, we were there. We we didn't expect that we would even be seen in the film. We were just happy to be there. And then, you know, when, when the trailer, the teaser trailer dropped, we were like, hey, that's us. You can see us. Yeah. <laughs> And then I ran into you, Jamie, at the Weird Al show at the Wiltern in L.A., and you're like, oh, yes, yes. I've seen your face a lot. <laughs> so I'm like, yep. oh, wow. So I must have made it in the movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, prime real estate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so was there ever a, a version of the scene where you didn't see Dave and I?
2: No, Never. Good. That was not. That was non-negotiable. Good. Like, come on. You, you guys are the definitive voices on Weird Al. We needed to have you <laughs> visible. <laughs> but it was great that we got the like the extreme close up. That that's a perfect reaction oh, for that moment. Yeah. That, we oh, needed. that shot of
1: Dave is so iconic. I love that so much. Yeah, it's so great. The
2: slightly slack jawed, but not too slack jawed. Like you really nailed it. <laughs>
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> that look deserves an Emmy, Dave. Agreed. Agreed.
2: I think
0: so. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So,
1: one thing that Al said to me on set, I, I think he was mainly joking, but he did, uh, he said that, he would have expected me to know the lyrics to "I Love Rocky Road," uh, and he said in the the camera, it didn't look like I, I knew the lyrics. Do you have any? Do you have any memory of seeing me correctly mouthing the lyrics? "I Love Rocky Road."
2: What if I if I I can definitely say yes, just for street cred of it. No, you know, you know, I think I think Patton probably had the most problem like trouble uh, lip syncing to Rocky Road because the problem was because uh, when they were doing his close up, they weren't playing the music for it. So he was just kind of uh. just kind of doing it, if I recall correctly. <laughs> and that's really hard. It's really hard to lip sync because he couldn't like sing it he had to be lip syncing it but there was no music to lip sync so right. that's really hard to do <laughs> right, right i i could i could do that though
0: i am sure i could do it <laughs> yeah 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 well i think we need the yankovic cut with uh ethan playing the part of uh that patton yes role. there you go
2: <laughs> heckler which was also supposed to be aaron paul um until The day before, I think.
1: Right. He tested positive for COVID. Tested positive for COVID. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then, as you know, Patton was supposed to be Dr. Mento, but he broke his leg. Lots of things. Lots of, like, chain of of everything. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All for that one scene, too. (laughs) Yeah.
2: All for that one scene. Yeah. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jamie, we've met you at the world premiere of Weird the Al Yankovic Story at the Toronto International Film Festival. What was your experience seeing it? with an actual audience for the first time.
2: Oh, my God. It was a dream come true. I I was, like, emailing everyone. I'm like, I will pay my own way to TIFF. Please, can someone secure me a ticket for this movie? (laughs) (laughs) And and Roku was very good about it. I was sad I didn't get to bring my partner with me, but I, you know, flew up to Toronto by myself, uh, got a little Airbnb half hour outside of Toronto, um, put a lot of effort into getting a little Hawaiian print uh, pantsuit situation that not got to wear to the red carpet. Yeah. Um we also uh my partner and I made uh stickers that we handed out up at TIFF. Did you guys get your hands on those? Oh, we
1: certainly did. Yeah, we love them. Oh, hell Always. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so we were so I mean, I was so excited about like like I thought I couldn't even believe that we that we were all like we we got into tiff so i made these little stickers that uh had a little hawaiian print on it and the weird the the weird font and it said keep tiff weird uh the Yal Yankovic story (laughs) and uh I made like five hundred copies of these stickers and I brought them with me to the to the premiere and just kind of like handed them out, left them at the concession stand, gave them to anyone who was interested in one. I went through the audience and was just like handing them out and they're like, oh do you work for Roku? And I'm like, not technically. (laughs) not anymore i just cut the movie don't worry um uh, (laughs) but it was incredible because we had we didn't do any test screenings of the movie uh we didn't have like a friends and family screening we didn't have any test screenings it was the the most people we showed at any given point in time is eric would bring in like six friends or like six people he'd work like trusted people that he's worked with before and we'd do a screening for them but we would never have more than like 10 people in a room watching the at any point in time. So then for oh, it wow. to play up there with like the biggest audience I could, with a mezzanine, <laughs> <Right>. a Mezzanine. <laughs> right. Um, and it was so amazing and powerful to like, just hear a whole audience laugh at the jokes that we had cut. Like it, it, uh, it was right. something else like and so after that I was like I need to get myself to every screening of this that I can and I got <laughs> to a lot of them because I did TIFF I did Beyond Fest I did um, there was an FYC screening I went to and. Oh, cool. um, And I went to the. I I managed to get tickets to the Draft House premiere out here in LA. Uh, Like literally, like was logged on when they (laughs) they released the tickets, and I was just we had two computers and we were refreshing, and I managed to get tickets. (laughs) Oh, that's no one has ever worked harder.
1: (laughs) Wow, yeah, that that experience at that screening is unparalleled to any. Sort of movie screening I've ever seen in my life. It was just, mm-hmm. I mean, a I was so excited oh, to see the yeah. movie. I was so excited to see if Dave and I made it into the movie. But
2: right, because you didn't know at that point, had, right? Yeah, I
1: mean, we we had I we assumed, but we didn't know for sure. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. we're like, oh, well, maybe you know, once the DVD comes out, we can pause it and we can see ourselves. But you know, we didn't need yeah. to, as we found out. Um, it was just <laughs> no. such a great experience, and the movie was. It's so funny, It's so well edited uh really that's the best part of the movie is the editing and
2: uh eric makes my job very easy i will say that much eric has such an incredible vision um he's one of the most talented directors i've ever worked with because he just knows what he needs to get and he knows like what the movie is supposed to look like and at that point like we're just kind of like playing then like making like it's so easy to make his vision what it is Mm mm-hmm
1: now, when I saw you at the Wiltern at, for Weird Al's The Unfortunate mm. Return of the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity <laughs> Tour, you were wearing a skunk barf t-shirt. and
2: I was. That
1: is really cool. And where can Dave and I get skunk barf t-shirts? You,
2: you have to bug Eric. <laughs> okay. That was, so, we didn't have, like... Again, we're we're down and dirty film set, but Eric went out of his way to make those shirts for the whole crew. How cool. Um and so that wow, was wow. like his gift, his kind of rap gift to the whole crew. Um and I wear it with pride. So yes, you should bug him about it to see if he has uh any extras. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, if Eric's listening, we're our bugs are coming. <laughs>
2: you should leak some on ebay just to get some extra scratch Ooh, that's, a, that's a good
1: idea that's a good idea and
2: in, in, in the it, as uh, since no one's working right now that might be a good source of secondary <laughs> <Right>. income <laughs>
1: now jamie were you involved in editing the teaser trailer and the trailer
2: i was not that was the promo people at roku but there's nothing more exciting to me than when like the trailer gets released uh because it's kind of the first like oh the world is seeing it and it's kind of the things that we've cut together but you know snappier and cooler (laughs) we did have uh we did see the teaser uh, and the trailer before they got released, and Eric did like a couple of passes of notes with with the Roku promo people oh, okay um yeah, but that was all them uh.
1: so do they take your like editors cut and work from that, or are they working from the same dailies that you worked on?
2: They're working from. Uh, they're working from the same dailies, so they can kind of pull. Sometimes they need to pull different takes, as, you know, the, the accordion is evidenced by. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, like, if they need to hang on a shot longer or go to, like, a reaction that they don't have, that's what they have the dailies for. But they are pulling from whatever, like, the most recent cut they've received is just as, like, a guide track for them oh, okay. to work through. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Were you kind of nervous that they would screw it up? <laughs> oh yes! Oh, we, of course we were.
2: <laughs> oh, very much so. But it looked great. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So it wasn't even you who put us in the uh, in the trailer in the teaser. No,
2: that was other people. <laughs> wow. So That's guys. Oh, that's how okay. much of a, that's how much of an impact you have. Wow. <laughs> it's a testament to our acting abilities. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> now I, I guess back to the subject of of things that were cut from the film my understanding was there was a a line or or a a part of the scene where Al as Tony is on the phone with Dan as Al uh, talking about the Michael Jackson, eat it, beat it, uh, that had to be cut from the Michael Jackson's family or something. Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: Uh, I do, but I don't think I can speak on it specifically. (laughs) I'll just say there was a line that, you know... They they requested we take out, uh, and we did.
1: (laughs) I guess I'm curious. So who who got to watch the movie and make those kind of requests? who saw it. And-
2: I that I don't know actually. Uh, uh th- it, that it, at that point this was like when this happened it was like two or three two two weeks before TIFF. So we were locked completely. Um and so at some point someone uh, so, I I don't know what the process is for like once a movie gets locked where it gets sent off to and who sees things and who hmm. comments on things. But yeah, it someone had seen it. Uh and so we did have to go back in and unlock it in order to um Uh, fix that.
1: (laughs) And was that the only change that happened post-lock? Yes. Oh, interesting.
2: Only, Yeah, that was the only change post-lock, post-mix.
1: Wow, okay. So even after seeing it at at TIFF and and getting reviews, there was nothing changed.
2: Nope, nope. Queen didn't come after us. Uh...
0: Or, or the queen. We were safe.
2: Or the queen, which uh, was the... De- oh. Our TIFF premiere was the day she died.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, can you speak to this... Uh, In uh, Canada, too. Yeah. Right.
2: The death curse? Are you talking about... Are you about to ask about the death curse? Yeah, can you
1: speak to the death curse? Yes.
2: I am a firm believer that the death curse is real. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly not just because we're doing a movie about, you know, people from the 80s and, <laughs> you know, time time is an, is a cruel mistress that takes us all at some point in time. It's much more fun to say it's a death curse.
0: <laughs> oh, yes.
2: Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since we came out, I, I have to, like, do the full the full rundown. Since the movie has premiered, the Queen of England has died. And she's in it. Yep. yep. Uh, Coolio has died. Yep. Yeah. Gallagher has died. Yes. Um uh, uh, we just lost Pee Wee Herman. Yep. Or Paul Rubens. Yep. Uh am I missing who who else who else is? <laughs> I think
1: those are the ones that are on my list.
2: I think those are the I think those are the ones. But still, that's a that's a hefty number. It for- is. It is. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Not to get too dark, but to put you on the spot, Jamie, do you want to call who the next victim of oh, the God. curse will be? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs>
2: next victim of the curse
1: <laughs> oh boy and this is not admissible in court <laughs>
2: oh you know what uh, you know who it's gonna be it's gonna be um that grandmother that that <laughs> al <pushed laughs> <away>. oh, <no.
1: laughs> complications from being pushed by weird aliyankovic exactly <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh,
2: or, or, or at least six people in the factory right yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm really curious about, so you are editing the film, you have the the raw cut, and my understanding is Daniel was actually singing during these parts Mm -hmm. where Al's voice is put in. What what can you tell us about that?
2: He's great, yeah. Uh, Dan put, uh, A, he's a great singer, which I've known for forever because I'm a big uh, Broadway fan, Uh, so I followed him in his theater days as well, Um, and, you know there's a there's a certain performance that is enhanced in a, in a movie like this you can either you know lip sync and like not sing not actually sing um but if you do that you know you're not going to get like what your what your neck is doing uh what your breathing can look like it can sometimes feel out of sync uh so you get a much better performance when you are actually singing along rather than uh just lip syncing and so dan yeah dan gave it his all to every performance um i was especially blown away because there was a chunk of like two or three days where they shot back to back to back i think it was like Rocky Road, followed by uh, another one. Uh, another one rides the bus, followed by Amish Paradise. And I'm like, this is so many songs. <laughs> I don't know how he had a <laughs> voice after all that, because he's not just uh-huh. singing; he is singing. Um, and I feel like you could release a whole cut with with Dan's voice instead. But <laughs> why why do that when we have? <laughs> Al?
1: Well, so when he's singing, was he singing? as al doing an impression or was he singing as dan you know with a british accent he was
2: he was oh no he was singing like american he was he was singing like his al okay like i don't think he was necessarily doing uh, he wasn't doing like an impression of how al sings but he was singing like his al would sing oh interesting that makes any sense i
1: would love to hear those I would really like to hear those.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also wish uh, they found out that uh, Eric went to karaoke with uh, Dan and Evan and some other folks after they rapped. This is a story I heard, and like evan sang madonna there and apparently like she's an incredible singer as well and then we were all like why didn't we get her to sing something for the movie <laughs> and like there was a moment uh during the um the the al and madonna love scene uh when like that big swooping amazing score that happens that zach and leo composed there was a brief moment where like because i had originally cut that scene to like a virgin where i just i just blatantly brought in madonna and i'm like we can't afford this but right. it works for this uh and so we flirted <laughs> for a while with the idea of like oh could could we afford it if like we asked evan to like re-record oh, it wow! Like, maybe we could get that oh. uh and again it was one of those things like we talked about and we got excited about but then like it just got like too complicated and then they wrote that score and we're like that's it yeah, yeah never mind yeah. this is better this is this is way uh, funnier yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's so cool are there any t- official talks of a sequel to *Weird the Ally Yankovic Story*?
2: Oh, from your mouth to <laughs> recording God's ears, <laughs> Hollywood's ears. Yeah. Um, not that I know of yet, yet. But I, uh, you know, I would drop everything in the moment to continue the story of uh Al, because <laughs> you know he's not dead. He's just undead. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a zombie. So now that we covered the uh, very important Rocky Road scene, I wanted to ask you about some of the other scenes that I've heard about editing. For example, when we were talking to Lin-Manuel Miranda, who of course played the doctor in the movie, uh, he had mentioned that he had uh, sort of improvised a few of his lines. <laughs> yes. do, you remember, uh, do you remember that? And how did you settle on the one that, that ended up in the film?
2: The, the, <laughs> I need some Gosner's. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I that that was the one that worked the best. What was the other? I I have to think back on there. There were a couple he th- threw out.
1: I have to imagine they're all lines from. They were all lines from
2: the song. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's writing fast. He's like, he's like, he's. That's what. That's what it was. Thank you. He was. So he's writing. He's like, this patient is writing fast. (laughs) Instead of this patient is fading fast. Um. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, so he was throwing out different lines from the song, but uh, Give Me All Your Gauze Nurse was definitely the one that fit best <laughs> into the <laughs> yeah. into the moment.
0: Oh, it's such a great, uh, it's such a great part. I love that. <laughs> yeah and that that's such a great nod to uh to weird Al fans as well i know that there's a uh, the gauze nurse is often misheard as Gosners, which of course is just a made-up word <laughs> but it, it's
2: uh Give me all your it seems nurse. to be
0: pretty popular
2: it was so funny when they announced Like, you know, obviously I knew the movie was happening because I was working on it, Uh, but they announced it officially just like a couple of weeks before they started shooting. Uh, And as soon as the Deadline article came out, I like texted it to Eric and I was like, "Uh, so has Lynn reached out to Al already about being in the movie? And he's like, yes. (laughs) Awesome. I'm like, I knew it. I knew he was going to drop everything to be in this. (laughs)
1: That's so cool. We had a lot going on too, Jamie. We had to drop a whole lot. I know, I know.
2: I mean, you did have to fly out. That's not nothing. That's true.
0: (laughs) You would gladly do it again. But I wanted to uh, also ask you a little bit about what sort of editing went into the LSD trip Mm. that Al went on after eating the tainted nachos
2: <laughs> yeah a lot of just kind of like pre-visualization had to go into that one because you know the, the shots that i received were all like actors on green screen um and when you are trying when you're mm. you know my editor's cut is not the finished cut of a movie obviously but you do want to make it look and sound as close to finish as possible because uh You want to try and take out as many distractions as possible so that you can focus on the important things. Performance, pacing, tone, story, all of those things. So uh, it's always a goal of mine to make sure that, like, people are not getting hung up on sound, being off, or, like, things looking bad. So I always want it to look as good as possible. Uh, So if I were to just put in, you know, the green screen performances back to back to back, that doesn't really sell what we're trying to do. So I did. I spent, like, a whole night... um, pulling in reference I was like ripping references of like hell landscape from YouTube and like clouds (laughs) I was like building the backgrounds myself and then there was a moment like you know in the script it says the camera zooms in on the shredder and I'm like I feel like I can picture in my head uh, what that's supposed to look like, and then it like hit me. I'm like, yes, it's that shot from Toy Story three with the yes. <laughs> yes, um, and 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 so I like pulled it from YouTube and like cut it in and but like put a shredder on top of it and like roto'd it and like put Dan in front of it. So like it all looks really janky, but like it was me trying to do as best proof of concept as I could, um, because you know like that's the starting point we have to work with, and. It was one of the first scenes that we had to lock because in so much cgi work had to be done by our vfx uh person bruce Mm -hmm. that like and we didn't have a lot of time so we had to like basically lock that scene for timing pretty early on in the process so he could get started building (laughs) those things um the other funny thing with that scene is i I, when i was putting it together originally i had like such a like egotistical moment where I'm like oh man I have an idea for a song in this scene and it's I'm gonna look so impressive because it's a little bit of a deep cut uh, and I had cut in the opening to nature trail to hell <laughs>
0: Oh,
2: <laughs> and I'm like it works so well it's the instrumental is perfect and I sent it and, and Eric's like it does work well but I actually always kind of viewed this moment as like a duel of the fates kind of thing and I'm like that makes sense yep I get it you're right that does work better <laughs> but that was my little like <laughs> like al i love deep that cut. i love
1: that <laughs> that's great have you gone back and watched the editor's cut since the film was locked
2: i have not because i don't have it i should have i should have been secret and uh output it for myself uh, but it's so much harder in uh you know back in the days where we were working in offices and not remotely it was a lot easier to like you know sneak a hard drive and you know do a little output and throw it on there and take it home with you uh but it's a lot harder to do that now um but i god i would love to to watch it again and probably you know be like oh wow we came so much further this is the uh, the final cut is so much better than this (laughs) so who
1: who would have that Does does roku have that just roku okay
2: yeah it's 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 archived on the um archive you know at the end of the show we take basically everything that was on the like the the, ba- the backup hard drives and you put it on one hard drive and they archive it away and it's there so it's safe it's sound it's somewhere else
1: mm. so we need to put a heist mm. t- together is what you're saying <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jamie, this has been absolutely incredible getting to talk to you all about working on Weird the El Yankovic Story, your incredible Emmy nomination. And we can follow your adventures on Instagram by uh, following you at Pseudo Cinema. And we can check out your website, which is Jamie-Kennedy.com.
2: Yep. Not the other one. Not the other one. <laughs> I bet the other
1: one's jealous that you're getting Emmy nominations.
2: <laughs> uh, that's uh, truly my, my my partner's only goal in life is to for me to get one notch above him on IMDb. <laughs> one day, it may happen.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Once again, we'd love to thank Jamie for joining us and making sure we had such high visibility in Weird the Al Yankovic story.
1: You can check out Jamie on her website, jamie-kennedy.com, and at Pseudo Cinema on Instagram, as well as X, the social media network formerly known as Twitter.
0: Ooh, that sound means that we have a call on the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave Nathan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast.
1: All right, Intern Frank, let's hear it.
0: Hey, David Ethan, this is your old pal, Sheepdog David Grant, a.k.a. MC Chalkskin, a.k.a. <laughs> and I am just, O-O-A-K-A, uh, com. and I am just calling to wish you a very happy 203rd episode, unless you play this on the 202nd or 204th episode, in which case, I'm wishing you a happy one of those. Okay, bye-bye! Aw, thank you, Dave. It's so nice to hear from you, and thank you for the well wishes. Well, sounds like
1: we've got another call on the 347 Spatula Hotline. All right, Frank, let's hear this one. Hi, Dave.
0: Uh, It's Jackson. I'm just calling to remind you to remind Ethan about the meat raffle at Trouble's Number 2 Restaurant and Bar. Hope all is well. Hey, thanks for the reminder, Jackson. Ethan, what are you doing tonight at 6 p.m. Twine Ball time? I don't know, but I'm
1: definitely not going to a meat raffle.
0: Aw, okay, well, maybe next Wednesday. Only if we get a reminder. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota a uh, beautiful, it's also Twine Ball day In just
1: a few short days, it will be the second Saturday in August, and you know what that means! It's Twine Ball Day! Yay! Yay! That's right! This Saturday, August 12th, is the 32nd annual Darwin Twine Ball
0: Celebration! Alright, Ethan, which sanctioned event are you most excited for?
1: Well, the sanctioned event that I'm definitely interested in the most is the Grand Parade. I hear that this year it features local royalty, area floats, and antique cars, tractors, horses, and much, much more. Antique horses? Neat! I know, right? Okay,
0: well, which sanctioned event are you most excited for? Oh, the sanctioned event that I'm most excited for, I've got to go with the event that St. John's Youth Group is putting on from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. Twine Ball time. Oh, why is that? Well, because it has walking tacos and snow cones in the park. Whoa, I've never
1: seen a walking snow cone before. Yeah, me either. I've seen a bunch of walking tacos though.
0: Yeah, of course we all have.
1: So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next sanctioned expedition. Discover Darwin, more than just the Twine Ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to attempt to visit discoverdarwin.biz.
0: Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Brito Brito, Wizard Burger, Jackson Scoggins, and Discover Darwin. Our podcast is also supported by everyone in our Patreon family, with special thanks to our amazing, amazing close personal friend-level Patreon supporters, Ron, Scott, UH Jeff, Matt, Kenneth, Gus and Alicia, Allison, Adriana, Ajax, Jake, Zeb, Zach, Dana B., Blair, Kev, Javier, and also thanks to Spencer and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy
1: our family-friendly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. There's awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your own private RSS feed, which gives you early access to each and every bonus episode, and the self-satisfaction of doing something important with your otherwise pitiful, meaningless, worthless, stinky existence.
0: And now would be a really good time to join if you have not joined already, because you'll be the very first to hear each and every one of our remaining brand new, ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episodes the very instant that they drop. And don't forget to check out our official merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com. All proceeds from purchases go directly to supporting our fine podcast. We love
1: hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so be sure to join our Facebook community at group.2000inch.com and visit our Discord server for even more riveting Weird Al and Red Rump to Goody-related conversations. You can find both of them linked on our website, as well as information about past episodes and guests over at weirdalpodcast.com or
0: 2000inch.com. And while you are there, make sure you click on Read Dixie Self-Indulgent Bonus Episodes and follow along with our adventures on tour and click on Black and White and Weird All Over Bonus Episodes for our special series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through his first book page by page and picture by picture.
1: Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, X, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Not only does subscribing help the podcast, you can use your ESP to learn to play
0: guitar. Plus, we also love when we receive voicemail via our official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA, as seen in the Illustrated Owl. That number is 347-772-8852. Put it in your phone and give it a call, and you might even hear your message in a future episode.
1: Thank you once again to our guest, Jamie Kennedy, for joining us this episode. We'd also like to thank Joe Jaffa, Devlin Wilder, Kevin McKee, David Grant, Jackson Scoggins, Dan Butts, and thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible podcast theme song. Thank you to the Emmy-nominated Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Ethan's 2000's Weird Out Podcast. And until next time, remember to Gill and Jill, keep listening to Weird Out, and stay cheesy. You know, if I had a chance to edit Weird
1: the Al Yankovic story, I'd make a lot of changes.
0: Oh, now really? I thought we both agreed that this film was absolutely, 100% perfect.
1: Well, yes, but I mean, I think the polka party scene could have used some tough bikers. Yeah, that's true. I'll agree with that edit. And the music awards they definitely could use some tough bikers in that audience. Oh, yeah, totally. And during all the concert sequences, I, I mean, tough bikers would have been really great there. Yeah, in the front row, of course. And the most obvious change would be. Oh, let me guess, let me guess. More tough bikers. Absolutely! I would have edited them into the Madonna Al lovemaking sequence. Oh, really? Where would you have put them? Um, well, I'd rather not say this is a family friendly podcast. <laughs>
0: That was Dave Nathan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 202-inch. Release the 2,000-inch cut!
2: You guys are the definitive voices on Weird Al. We needed to have you (laughs) visible.